bonus filibuster bonus, bonus filibuster hooray bonus filibuster uh we are not breaking down the dc metros game because nope. it hasn't happened yet as we record we actually just finished talking about it previewing it before so if you're listening to this after don't uh, don't, don't spoil the magic adam <laughs> i like to you know open up the curtain a little bit um you know, I don't. I don't want to some pretend us, to be the great and powerful like to keep Oz. The curtain. Some of us like to keep the curtain. Ben Bromley prefers to be a floating head with fire, as opposed to a yes, a yes. Why, guy from why, Nebraska. Why wouldn't I be? Why wouldn't I want to be a floating head with fire? That guy turned out to be a fraud. Yeah, but he was a floating head with fire. A fraud. Ben makes a good argument. He wasn't really though. That's the whole the whole thing. Like. <laughs> You guys missed a major plot point in the Wizard of Oz. Is it? Is it? I don't think I missed it. it? I'm the one that was literally referencing the man behind the curtain. Is it? I'm just going to let Ben go as high as he wants to on that, and I apologize to all the eardrums. Ben? No, I'm done. I'm I'm not going to subject our listeners to any more torture. I was really hoping you were going to reach dog whistle. No, uh, no, I, I don't. I don't want to inflict our listeners to that. No, I mean, if they're listening to earbuds, they're not going to hear it because it's going to be too high of a frequency, and their dogs aren't going to hear it because it's going to be in their earbuds. It's fine. Some people, like me, invest in good quality earbuds that have a large audio range. I'm not faulting their earbuds. I'm saying the human range of hearing is more limited than. But my vocal cords cannot reach those uh, frequencies that you know of. Maybe you've made those frequencies and you, you just haven't heard it because you have human ears. You should go to your dog and just try to scream as highly pitched as possible and see if it... So, no, so, you shouldn't so, do that to your poor dog. Don't, so don't torture I, your dog, Ben. Why are so you torturing your dog? I'm not. You're, you're telling me to go to my good, good dog and torture her, but... I, I came around on how bad of an idea that was. <laughs> the, the wizard was a... So... <laughs> um, really quick, uh, my, my daughter... I convinced her that she wants to be Dorothy for Halloween and her little brother's going to be Toto. It's going to be incredibly adorbs, you guys. Anyway, um, Ben, what are you drinking? So, um, last episode I had beer and this episode I have liquor because why not? So I'm drinking a bourbon and Coke. Okay. I, I tend to downshift, and that's what I've done. Last episode, no, I was I drinking... No, I, I go full throttle. I'm just like, let's plow this through the regular things that people think, and let's just plow through and go full throttle. That I have found English. That. I'm no. sorry. That was, that was a word salad. Was definitely a string of words. Yeah. Yeah. And, that is, and that is part of why I don't upshift. Uh, I found it to be disastrous for myself, both on the night and... The next day. So I've downshifted to uh, Port City's Oktoberfest. Um, which I like a good Oktoberfest. It, it is a good Oktoberfest, and it's from Alexandria, Virginia. I was drinking the Hofbrau one again this weekend. In fact, on the Facebook Live video, I was. And I know Stephen Streff, our, our good friend from Black and Red United, um, he, he noticed that and commented on it. It made me a little happy that someone noticed my beer, uh, you know. Anyway, Jason, what are you drinking? Uh, well, to go back to uh, the curtain... Um, Adam kind of ruined. I, I was going to pretend because I haven't gotten Jim Curtin. Um, <laughs> I was going to pretend to drink something, but when Adam revealed that it's not Thursday, uh, that kind of uh, popped the bubble. So well, 
I'm ben and I both actually changed our drinks. I didn't move. I didn't leave the chair, so I never had a chance. To <laughs> Neither did I. I didn't leave the chair either. Well, I don't know where you got magic drinks from, uh, unless this is another instance of you being a fraud. Um, no, I, I just, I just the last time I made a drink, I made two drinks. Well, I'm still drinking the same drink. Uh, I didn't make a second drink because I had enough for two. So I'm still drinking. Chimay is a drink you don't Chimay drink quickly. Um, That's not a drink you pound. Anyway, we're here to talk about the Columbus crew, give a little preview of DC United's visit to the Buckeye State. Uh, the crew are uh, one spot and five points ahead of the Red Bulls, who hopefully when you're listening to this, lost handily to to DC United. Uh, their current form, at least on on Monday night, is exactly the opposite of the Red Bulls. They're unbeaten in their last seven, including a 3-2 to two win over the Metro's this past weekend, DC United uh, heads into Moffray Stadium this Saturday, 7.30. Watch it on News Channel 8. Uh, Jason, is this still the same dogmatic Greg Berhalter side that, that we saw a few years ago that was so insistent on on getting the wide defenders forward and bossing possession and, and all those other wonderful things? Uh, no. Um <laughs> There, there's definitely a much more conservative uh, element to the crew. Um, the fullbacks are not going so far up the field. Um, they aren't even that insistent on keeping the ball that much. Uh, the Red Bulls had, uh, in their their meeting over the weekend, the Red Bulls had a uh, 57% of the possession um, in, in Columbus. And this wasn't a game state's influence thing because... The crew did score in the sixth minute, but the Red Bulls were level by the 14th minute. Um, this game was tied for the majority of, of the minutes played in the game. Um, so, yeah, it, it's been interesting to watch. We kind of got a, maybe the, we were, uh, United fans were maybe the first team to see what Columbus was up to with this possible change in uh, mindset when they came to RFK. And now that was... They played three four three and played very much defend and counter. Um, that isn't what they're doing all the time, but it is the defending counter side is something that's sort of in their arsenal right now. Um, they aren't the kind of team that, that that they were before, where they had to spread you out and make you defend touchline to touchline. Um, they are a little more willing to play Ola Kamara in behind or. Um, find you hit you on the break and have uh justin merrim and pedro santos uh out on the run um so you know things have changed a little bit with them they've they've i think they've kind of come to the conclusion that either this group of players can't make that can't make that system work uh to the point that they are in the playoffs um or maybe burhalter has decided that the league itself has changed enough that he has to adjust something but um I mean, you have to give them credit for figuring it out because, you know, like you said, they're on, you know, four wins, three draws in their last seven games. Um, and if you go back before that, they were, you know, they didn't have a big blip before that. And they've beaten Chicago. They've beaten FC. Well, all right. FC Dallas is now on the downside, but this was, you know, a little while ago when they beat them. Um, they beat the Red Bulls. This isn't a bad group of results. They've gotten draws in Vancouver. Um but the white caps are doing very well right now. So um, it's the adjustment that the crew needed. It's not necessarily, it doesn't make them better to watch as a, 
as a uh, neutral, but it's definitely what they needed to do if they wanted to keep winning games. So how much we, we did see that three man backline from them, which was a surprise, I think, for for most people mm-hmm. when they came to RFK. How much are they using that anymore or are they really back to the, the four back? It, it hasn't they haven't played it much. Um, I think I've only seen it two other times this year. Um, so it would just be interesting if United played two three back systems within a week. After Yeah, after playing only one. Because I know all New York long. is going to play that, yeah. Right. Um, that would be a little bizarre. Um, it does speak to the tactical uh, evolution that's kind of undergone. That This year has been more fascinating, I think, than in 2016. Absolutely. Because a, lo- a lot of teams are making some kind of change, um, they're, or they're at least trying to make some kind of change and do something that they haven't done before. Um, I don't think Columbus is going to do it because they've been having success out of the four-two-three-one. It's just, for them, it's much more about what they do once they're in their formation, um, and so they're not taking those big risks with the fullbacks going forward. Um, Will Trap doesn't have to drop all the way between the center backs in possession anymore. Um, his his game is more predicated now on the fact that he can hit a good medium or long range pass than it was before. It was more about setting a rhythm. And then looking for those passes. Now those passes are a little more common for him. Um, but at the same time, um, there are, there are you know, there are things about Columbus that I think are maybe, I wouldn't go so far as to say a red flag. Um, but, you know, this game against the Red Bulls, for example, uh, two of their goals were set-piece goals. Um, so from the from open play, it hasn't been as good as they would like, I think. Um, which is maybe why they have to be a more uh, stereotypically common MLS team, one that just looks to play fairly, not out-and-out conservative, but fairly conservative soccer and hit on the break rather than opening you up. Um, That's been, it's been fascinating because they've also changed, you know, it's led to some changes in the back in terms of personnel. Um, Josh Williams, who couldn't get a game for a while, is now a starter at center back. Um, so, it, you know, and, and Williams is much more of a, uh, athletic guy who wins a lot of headers and wins a lot of tackles, but isn't necessarily that smooth on the ball. Um, but if you're not playing that, you know, all in on possession soccer, you don't necessarily need a defender that can play out of the back. You need a defender that can defend first and foremost. And that's kind of become, uh, the crew's way of going about their business is, uh, looking for, you know, the shutout first and then whatever happens at the other end, if they can, you know, get get their noses out in front, then that's great. It's kind of funny that Greg Berhalter and Ben Olsen have kind of evolved in exactly opposite directions. And we could see in occurrence this weekend that I don't think anybody would really expect, which is United going into Columbus and being the more possession kind of team. And granted, United's not totally down that road yet, but they've become... Uh, they've become more careful with the ball. Their passing has improved. Their their short passing, especially, has improved it, since the the transfer deadline. So it's it's kind of funny to to see Burhalter go from this super dogmatic coach on the one end, and Ben Olsen go from this incredibly pragmatic coach at the other. And now they're they're meeting in the middle, if not having passed each other. It's it's kind of kind of interesting and and fun to to see that particular evolution i it's, think 
It's like uh, inertia is pulling everybody into one one place. Eventually, I think gravity is the word. Inertia all, doesn't pull. Inertia is anyway. All teams are going to end up playing the same way uh, in five years. <laughs> I I'm not going to challenge That's that. Not gonna it's not true, but I'm not going to challenge it. Uh, Ethan Finlay was uh, a big part of this Columbus Crew team for a while for several years he's now playing for the loons up in minnesota um obviously the kakuta mane acquisition for columbus helped that happen but how else have they been making up for the the absence of of finlay who who was really important to some good crew teams over the years well i mean they they first of all they just didn't get a very good version of him this year um you know his ability to to it's not so much that he lost his speed or anything, it's that he stopped making good runs off the ball and became less effective as a result. Um, so the latest thing they've done to, I mean, at first it was just he got benched and, you know, Nico Hansen played some games. Um, Mane, it took a while for Mane to even start getting on the field, which is its own bizarre little saga. Um, but the, their main fix is that they spent a lot of money on Pedro Santos. Um, I can't remember which Portuguese league club he was at off the top of my head, but that's where he came from. Um, and they they brought him in after they had moved uh, Finley to Minnesota, and that's been pretty much it. Is Their, their way of dealing with it is uh, to switch him out and just bring in uh, somebody else. Um, Santos doesn't have Finley's speed, but he does have a little more technical ability, and he's definitely... If you present him with an obstacle, like Finley, if you can deal with his speed, all of a sudden he becomes, especially when he was in bad form, he becomes basically just a guy on the field. He he couldn't really solve very many problems by himself. Santos, on the other hand, is a guy that, ha- I wouldn't say he's like a super high soccer IQ guy that can unlock any defense, but he is able to get himself out of situations that I think Finley wouldn't have been able to think his way out of. He just would have tried to go back to speed over and over again and be like, why isn't this working? Um, Santos has a little bit more of a variety to his game. And, uh, you know, he's, he's got a knack for winning fouls. Um, he's got a knack for escaping, uh, out of tight spaces with the ball. Um, and it's kind of what you would expect when you're paying that kind of money for a winger with, uh, European pedigree in a, in a strong league, you're expecting a certain level of technical ability. Um, it's the kind of thing that we've seen out of, uh, Zoltan Stieber. They're not exactly the same player. Um, but that technical ability does tend to make the game easier for yourself and everyone around you because all of a sudden what how you define a tight space is a lot smaller. Um, and so Santos can get out of those spots that Finley couldn't. Um, and, and I think for Columbus it's been a, a good trade-off because they were getting pretty predictable when it was just, well, if we can't break things open and get Finley into that space in behind, then he essentially is a non-factor. He's just sort of a guy standing on the right side. So over the years, this team has really been able to go as far as Federico Iguain has been able to take them. They've had their various flavors of Kamara, Ola, and Kai, and they've had Justin Miram, Ethan Finlay, and, and some others uh, to help them out. But at least in recent years, Pippa has been the guy. Is that still the case? Is he still pretty vital to them? I know he's, he's declined some in the last year or two, right. but is he still their, their talisman? I, I think they've gotten away from being a team that has an out-and-out talismanic player that if he doesn't play well, then they're just going to be bad. Um, 
it does help him, I think, that he doesn't, because they're not spreading teams out, he doesn't have to cover as much ground uh, to be available. Um, because that's a that's a physically demanding way to play. Um, if you want to make teams defend touchline and touchline, it means that you have to be run, doing that same amount of running to spread the field out. Um, so I, I think this does save his legs a little bit. He doesn't have to run as often. Um, and he can look to use more of his passing skill uh, as a weapon than having to keep up with these guys that are much faster than he is um, and much younger than he is. Um, so I think they've made it easier on him while also kind of getting away a little bit from being so reliant on him to solve all their problems. Uh, it helps a lot for, in their case that Justin Merrim has taken on a lot of that load this year. Um, Merrim has been, I think, I feel like it's weird that it's quiet. Uh, it's a, been a quiet season as far as media attention. Um, but Merrim has been great this year. Um, he's having the kind of season that could get him into the best 11 at the end of the year. He's got 12 goals and seven assists. Um, he's been a creator. He's been a goal scorer. Um, so they've made it a little easier on Iguain by not just saying like, you've got to be our, our brains going forward. You've got to do all of all of that. Now he has help. Um, and it's not just like he's still the number one and, and Merrim's the assistant. It's more like a one A and one B. Um, and so they, they've, they've taken the load off of his shoulders a little bit, which I think will help, uh, extend his career a little bit. It'll, um, make the relationship there less strained because I know that the last two seasons there was a, in 2015 and 2016, there were at least some inklings of Iguain being unhappy in Columbus. And this year I haven't really, um, at least in the last few months, I haven't heard a thing about him having uh, the desire to leave or the team having the desire to let him go. Uh, so I, I think by having Merrim improve and by changing their style, they've they've made life easier for Iguain, uh while not necessarily losing too much in the exchange. I mean, he has a chance to go double digits on goals and assists, which right. uh, I think only two guys in MLS right now have, Lee Wynn and Miguel Amiron, maybe? are the only two who have double digits in, in both of those. And that's a, that's a pretty good year. So uh, doesn't Diego Valeri have over 10 assists? Valeri, maybe he joined yeah. them. Uh, he pretty much has to, right? I mean, if, if, it, if you take Diego Valeri off the field, the Portland Timbers are like, the he only has nine assists right now. Okay. So he's, he's going to be in that club at the end of the right. year, but uh, he's obviously the, the goals leader, but at least I'm looking yeah. at MLS soccer.com right now. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, on their I, stats I, page, I he's listed as nine assists. Valerius I just figured he would have had nine by now. Yeah, <laughs> which is which is fair. So uh, let let's wrap it up with our typical last question. If you're in the technical area for DC United, how are you game planning against this Columbus Crew side? Also, Jason, how did you get in there? How did you get into their technical area? Well, we'll, we'll get to that off air. We we don't want to open the curtain up too far. Only only enough. Yeah. The, the secret is you just need to look like you know what you're doing and wander in. Um, okay. Are you carrying uh, a clipboard? Uh, you, you figure it out when you get there. Uh, it's a clipboard or, um, you know, a, a jumpsuit can go, get you pretty far if, if it's the jumpsuit that looks about right. Um, you, you wearing just a lanyard? There's a lot of winging it and not a lot of... Uh, pl- if you try and plan it, you're going to get there and find your plan is wrong and then you're screwed. Um, so I feel like that is just the first page of your self-help book. <laughs> Which is a one-page book. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think part of with Columbus, you've got to be good enough on the ball where you can actually break them down. You've got to 
it's funny because you've actually got to kind of use something that, that they used to do teams. You've got to have the ability to keep the ball and be patient long enough that the breakdown comes, that the openings come. Um, because defensively, they're not that great. Um, it's part of the reason why they've become more conservative is that their defenders themselves aren't necessarily that great. Um, Harrison Offal has had a fine year, but not like a special year as in the past where he was sort of, in my mind at least, he was pretty much alone at the top of the MLS right back list. Um, he hasn't been quite that good this year. Um, on the left, I mean, uh, Juker Itala didn't even start against um, the Red Bulls, so they're undergoing some... Uh, you know, uncertainty as far as who's their best left back because they've they've got Raitala, they've got Waylon Francis, uh, and Hector Jimenez actually started against the Red Bulls. Um, you know, Williams is solid enough. He has a place in MLS. Jonathan Mensah has a great resume, but his, I mean, the first three months of the season, he was a disaster. Um, he's gotten better, but he's still not a lockdown defender by any means. So, those guys can be exposed, but you do have to have the patience because right now Columbus is willing to sit in and be a little more mindful of their defensive shape, knowing that if you make a mistake, they can hit you on the break because they've got the skill to do it. Um, so you've, you've kind of got to take care of the ball well enough that you're not getting countered on. Um, you also need to be mindful of, even even when you've got the ball, you've still got to maintain, you've got to put yourself in a in spots where if the turnover comes, you can defend the counter quickly. Um, you don't want to be naive while you're on the ball and think, well, there's no way this is going to go wrong because that's when it goes wrong. Um, but those are the, those are the main things for me is, is preventing those, those breakouts on the counter and taking care of the ball well enough that, uh, you know, the breakdown that you'll find the opening is against the crew. They're going to be there. It's just a matter of, uh, being patient enough to wait them out and get out in front because uh, the the crew have plenty of talent in that front that front three. I mean, we we've barely mentioned Ola Kamara and we know that what he can do. Um, so get letting them in behind is a danger is a big danger. Um, it it's interesting to me because this game could play out as like a track meet almost if these two teams get into a transition game, or it could play out very slowly if United gets in there and thinks we have we have to watch out for the break, so we'll drop our line deeper then all of a sudden you might see a game that doesn't really have a lot of eventful moments in it. It might just be a game that becomes a midfield battle. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see how Olsen approaches it, especially coming off of, I mean, if they go in and beat the Red Bulls and it's another game where they get out in front early and are front foot soccer, uh, and that's what leads to it, then I feel like Olsen's got to just keep going after that mindset because that's kind of the ideal. That's what they want going forward. That's what they would like to do. Um, but at the same time, if they get in there and they're trying to do the front foot stuff, but they're too tired to pull it off because maybe, you know, who knows what's going to happen. Maybe there are injuries or suspensions or what have you. Um, then they become very vulnerable to getting countered on. And in that case, Columbus probably has a distinct advantage. Yeah, there will be some squad rotation this week somewhere, one would expect, just right. because of injury maintenance. Um, so we... Russell Knauss has been huge for DC United. He might not play one of these two not, games. Not allowed. Um, which means we could see... I mean, I, I wouldn't expect Marcelo Sarvas to play both of these games, which, you know, save your confetti, guys. No. Maybe we see Jalen Robinson in one or both of these games. Um, who knows? But it, it'll be interesting to see. I think that's it from us for for this one. Um you get a little bonus episode, so um, hooray, I hope. 
you are saying <laughs> when you see this in your your podcatcher inbox uh find us all at blackandredunited.com find us on twitter at filibuster dcu or at black and red U. we also have personal accounts which what the hell let's let's say them right now i'm at the underscore amt jason is at chest rockwell 14 and ben is at bromley bru i believe bru, BRU bromley bru dang it <laughs> at bru bromley i was so close i almost got it you were you used to be something different too so i had to i, I used to, to be at before extra time and you were also something else you were like at no benuski sc or something Oh, that's true. I was. Ha! See, I remember things. <laughs> it's a that's thing. true. That's true. Uh, you can also find us at patreon.com slash filibuster. That's where you can support us financially and get access to wonderful bonus things like extra content and the ability to make us answer your questions no matter how inane. Uh, seriously. I know Ben and Jason would love you to send inane questions, and it would annoy me. So you should probably do it. Yeah, do it. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever quality and not-so-quality podcasts are provided. For Jason Anderson and Ben Bromley, I am Adam Taylor, and we'll talk to you real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. Inane questions. <laughs>